Nick Ferdell, I've been looking forward to this for months now. And, and I say that because you are the beat writer who has become known for showing up and asking the actually hard questions of the Brooklyn Nets, which is the team that you started covering because you followed Kevin Durant there from Golden State, only to watch Kevin Durant demand a trade over the summer. And now this team is about to tip off the NBA season tonight with at least five other soap operas going on simultaneously. And I just feel like you personally are the perfect vehicle to tell this story. Well, that's a terrifying vehicle. <laughs> I mean, if my life is the vehicle by which anybody should measure their own, that's horrifying. The news is here. According to our Adrian Wojnarowski, Kevin Durant's manager, Rich Kleiman, has told him that Kevin Durant has requested a trade a decision that could transform the NBA for years to come. Kevin Durant requesting a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. The first thing I thought when Kevin made that trade request and the news came out was, oh, sh**, <laughs> I'm going to have to move again. <laughs> because I, just, I start thinking, I just got here. I don't want to pack everything up. My mom texted me, Pablo, and she's like, okay, well, where are you going? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Miami or Phoenix, I, I hope. And now the regular season's about to start and everybody's still here. And this Nets team that was cloaked in chaos for months yes. legitimately is all on the same page right now and legitimately believes that they can go into this year and potentially win a title is a 180 unlike anything I've ever covered frankly seen in sports in my career the fact that kevin durant and kyrie irving and ben simmons and sean marks and steve nash and nick fredell are all in brooklyn right now did not see this happening nick did not see any of it really happening like this pablo i was standing there on media day and i see sean mark and i'm about to go on the malika show i'm about to do a stand-up and, and he, <laughs> i look over at him i say john you made it and he looks at me and he goes, so did you. <laughs> and I went, well, that's perfect. He's like, well, that's day one. Let's see what happens. And so here we are with the Nets, just <sighs> awaiting the next chapter of what should be an entertaining as hell story. Like Kevin Durant, apparently, I cannot quit the Brooklyn Nets. Not yet, at least even though there are plenty of reasons to give up on them. Reasons that their own players have now articulated. Reasons that have to do with the fact that they got swept out of the first round of the playoffs. And also the fact that it is eminently possible that none of the players, or the coach or the general manager, that we're here to talk about, will even be with the team one year from today. But today, here they are. And here is Nick Friedel to tell us about his one-on-one -on -one encounters with Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and how the best and most unstable experiment in all of sports is evolving, or not, behind the scenes. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, October 19th. This is ESPN Daily. A 
Okay, so Nick, you sat down with Kyrie Irving. You sat down with Ben Simmons. We're going to get to that in a second here. But I do want to catch people up on how it is that there has been a peace brokered, right? Between Kevin Durant, first and foremost, and the general manager of the team, Sean Marks, that you alluded to before. Like, how is it that we went from a team being held hostage, it looked like, on June 30th, when there was that trade demand being made, to then a reconciliation that has lasted us now into October? I think one of the most honest statements that has come out of this net soap opera in the last few months, Pablo, is when Kevin Durant on Media Day said, I respect Sean and Joe. And he's talking about Joe Sy, the Nets owner. Yes. In saying, hey, we're not just going to give you away. Because there were so many people that thought when that initial trade demand came out that Kevin was gone, they were going to make a deal, and that was going to be how it was. First, are you surprised you're still here? No. I mean, I'm... I know I'm that good that you're just not going to give me away. So uh, that's one thing I did appreciate about Sean and Joe. It's like, yeah, you're too great for us to give you away. Just that easy, that simple. So um, I get that. I know who I am. So there was some strange meeting of the minds here in the last couple months where Kevin looked around and thought, all right, they're not going to get back anywhere close to what they thought, especially for a player of Mike Caliber, and Kevin's one of the best players we've ever seen, Pablo. Mm-hmm. And then there was another thought, because I've talked to him about it, that Kevin looked around and said, hey, this can still work. <laughs> I mean, you know, which is completely crazy to think, given where this all pretty much started in June. Right. I mean, look, right now, it's funny how the roller coaster does all of these twists and turns, and we vomit a couple times along the way, and then here are the Nets again, again, with like, I believe, the fourth best odds to win the title despite all of it? And you're like, why did we go through any of the stuff that we just went through if we are going to end up here? So you mentioned a meeting of the minds. I know there was a physical meeting in L.A. with Joe Sy and his wife and Steve Nash, the coach of the team, and Sean Marks and Kevin Durant and his Representative Rich Kleiman, what was hashed out there? Because it did seem like after that meeting, there was suddenly detente. There was suddenly a ceasefire. Well, let's never forget in the annals of Nets history that the statement comes out from Sean Marks and saying, hey, we're moving forward with Kevin. And there's a Nets logo. And then there is the boardroom logo, which is Kevin Durant's (laughs) corporate logo. Never, never had seen that before either. Incredible. <laughs> Just absolutely incredible. Hey, we're all on the same page. See, well, look, we're using the boardroom logo. My, my first thought was like, was this what they negotiated for? Was this the win that they needed? Was the logo on the letterhead? Because I don't know what else had changed. It, it, it Truly unbelievable from an optic standpoint. But as far as the details of that meeting, I, Pablo, I've been sitting here for weeks asking questions about, well, you know, what happened here? and and Some of the other beat writers are saying, okay, well, what did you have to hear? Everything's sketchy. But the one thing that we do know, according to Steve Nash, it it didn't take very long. It was like, here's what we can offer. I think everybody was frustrated. And Kevin used the word accountability several times. He felt like some of his teammates, people in the organization, they weren't being held accountable at the level that title teams need to do so. My whole thing was... uh, I want everybody to be held accountable for their habits as a basketball player every day. And I think a lot of stuff was getting swept under the rug because we're injured or 
this guy's not around or um, just the circumstances. I thought we could have fought through that a little bit more. For it to go from where it was to where it is right now, the only thing I can tell you is I am done as somebody who gets paid to cover this team. How great the vibes are right now, Papa. <laughs> it, like, it is, it is stunning. You walk in there, everybody seems to be in a good mood. Everybody sees Ben Simmons moving up and down the floor. And you see Kevin Durant being Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving being on the same page with everybody in a great mood. Nick Claxton recently said he's one of the best teammates I've ever had. My head almost popped off. So from where it was to where it is, is stunning. But the reality going, again, going into the year is that everybody is on the same page and everybody feels great for now about where they're at. So what you're saying is that the vibes are shockingly good, but also like fragile. And that's that's the tension that makes all of this so delicious. And so this is where we get to the buddy cop movie that is you and Kyrie Irving. Because I was not expecting <laughs> you guys to have a meeting of the minds yourself, but truly paint the picture of what this scene looked like and what it smelled like, almost as importantly. Oh, my man, how much time do we have here? I, Kyrie and I, for... For those that don't know, had a bit of a contentious relationship last season. You were you were in press conferences, oftentimes the lone voice asking the obvious necessary questions about why the hell he wasn't with the team. Like, why he wasn't getting vaccinated, all that stuff. Like, I'm not just a basketball player, bro. I'm not. Millions of fans, I, I appreciate all of it, but it's not just about the game. But you're one of the most famous unvaccinated people. <laughs> In the country. That, that sounds crazy so to me. But that's that's the reality, though. You are one of the most famous people in the country. Most high but I'm not the only one. Fashion. No, you're not. I'm just that's what I'm saying. Fame is, so fame is socially created, bro. And I'm bouncing back and forth in trying to ask those questions and also trying to build the type of human relationships that makes the job that we have uh, important in order to have a a strong working relationship with any athlete you cover, you have to know them as a human being. That is crucial. And so with that as the context, we go through the summer, you think, all right, maybe he's going to leave. Up, oh, he's opting in. He's going to come back for another year. We're sitting at this press conference and Kyrie's on top of the stage and I'm sitting there in the front row about to ask my question. And I start asking the question. And he looked down, and this is all, I think it was being broadcast on Yes, but some of my friends across the league were watching because there was one camera on me and there's one camera on Kyrie. And Kyrie looks down and goes, hey, man, you and me, we're going to be best friends by the end of the year. <laughs> Kyrie, first, I just want to clarify one more time. Before We're, we're going to be best friends by the end of the I, year. We already are. Me, you, you, you think we're best friends right now, but by the end of the year, we're going to be, we're gonna we're be, gonna be best You're going to give me sure. a hug. You're going to be like, look. We had no, I had to do my year. job, but <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. That, I think that's a fair trade-off. By the end of this For year, sure. we can say that, and somebody clipped this up, me and you are going to be here. And I'm so thrown off because I'm like, wait a minute, is this the same guy that was, was like hardly answering the questions a few months ago? It gets better. So a week or two goes by, they have their first preseason game. I'm walking out of the press conference room in Barclays. Kyrie comes out of another door and he's got a couple friends with him and he's walking out toward uh, where his car is at. 
And he looks at me and he is dead serious. And he looks and he goes, hey, man, you need to ride home? And I'm like, no, I, like I appreciate it, but I've got a ton of work to do still here. He goes, no, 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 it's cool. Like, it's like, you need to ride home? Seriously, we can take you. And I'm like, no, 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 it, it's okay. But I told him as we were walking out, I said, you have to know that my mom saw that press conference between you and I, and she to told me she's going to get a shirt made that says Kyrie's best friend. And he looks at me, Pablo, and he looks up and he goes, I don't see why not. <laughs> when we're trying to piece together why the vibes are so much better in so many ways it really does feel like Kyrie has walked into this season trying to change not only our relationship between he and I at times but he knows how important he is in in the greater scope of the group and right I, I thought it was so interesting that Nick Claxton was the guy who said Kyrie wants to change the narrative about what people think of him this year. And for the most part, day after day so far, he's been in a great mood. He's done everything he's, that's been asked of him on the basketball court. And the Nets feel like this is the year where he's going to show to everybody again that he can be trusted to be out there night after night after night. Now, what happens in, in March or April, we'll see. But everything right now is on a, a, a pace with Kyrie where you think, can this really happen? And, and the Nets believe that it can. So I'm still trying to wrap my brain around you riding shotgun with Kyrie into this glorious future. But I also cannot help but be both deeply cynical here and also legitimately curious because how Kyrie is Kyrie otherwise, would you say? Like, is he still close with KD? Is he still saging rooms, cleansing them of their negative energy? Pablo. <laughs> I walked up to him at uh, the end of the preseason game in Milwaukee. And I'm like, uh, you got to go win this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, all good. He lights and stays right in front of my face. <laughs> I had seen some of the videos where the sage is getting lit up and, and he's doing what he feels like he needs to do before the game. All I can tell you as somebody who is paid to be cynical and, and is paid to kind of say, I don't, I don't know if I believe what I'm seeing is that right now Kyrie is in the best place to the people around him, to the people in the Nets organization that they've seen him in a long time. Are you confident as we sit here going into the new year? that you'll play the way everybody knows you can at an incredibly high level. And that contract, if you want it, will still be there at the end of the season, whether it's from the Nets or somebody else. Yeah. Well, I'm staying patient and letting those things play out, honestly, because mm -hmm. the best thing I can do right now is just build sustainable relationships and be there for people that go on the court and off the court. And uh, that's going to be a... Um, you know, unique task this year of eliminating those distractions of thinking about things that I know, you know, are either in the future or they are not or hoping, you know, so I don't, I don't want to be in that phase. I just want to be present, live every day um, as God has given it to me and legitimately just have fun with this profession. It's a heck of a business, ain't it? <laughs> One thing that I think is important on top of the Kyrie discussion is I've been told it several different times over the summer. As close as Kevin and Kyrie are, they aren't as close as it appears to be sometimes, or it's been made out to be 
uh, in the media points. Mm. What I would tell you is Kevin and Kyrie understand their place in the basketball hierarchy and in the history of the game. Kevin and Kyrie trust each other from a basketball standpoint at a level that only the greats can understand. And so as much crap as there was over the summer, those two know when they're on the floor, they feel like they can beat anybody else out there because of how great they can still be together. After the break, we get to the player who has been an enigma unto himself, who you also got to know who might be even more important to this team than Kyrie Irving. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Nick, the question around Ben Simmons, and it's important for people to understand that even the people like me who are obsessed with Ben Simmons in many ways, both as a, as, as a fan of basketball and also just a curious journalist, right? There is such little visibility into his interior life. But the number one question that everybody has is like, how much does Ben Simmons actually love playing basketball, right? It's this thing that feels slanderous on the one hand, but it's really hard to shake that this theory may have water. So what did he tell you about that? That seems to be the question that hangs over Ben Simmons and his future, not only in Brooklyn, but in the NBA. How much does he love the game? I asked him a part of that when we talked. And I, I can only go off what he told me, but I got the sense that Simmons had the game pulled away from him. And it made him appreciate being back out there with it again on the floor. I think for me, um... I've always, I always missed the game, even when I wasn't playing and dealing with what I had to deal with. Um, but I think for me as a person, it was good to kind of take that step back um, and handle what I needed to handle to get to a place where, you know, I'm back on the floor and I'm, I'm playing the game that I love. Now, again, this is the preseason. Who knows what happens once the regular season goes and, and all the games start coming along. But Simmons knows how much that he, he missed it and how much it's been a part of him. Well, the funny thing is with Ben, right? And it's like Kyrie. It's like even saying the right thing is news people can use because they had not previously done it. And in Ben's case, he just hadn't spoken at all. And he became this kind of sphinx-like character where he was almost this riddle where it's like even to your framing of it, right? There was a real question. Did he have the game pulled away from him because of the back injury, because of the mental health issues, which we've covered on this podcast before in depth, or did he also have some role in 
pushing the game away. And, and how do you assess that dynamic? It's one of the biggest questions I had once the Nets made that move. Because I thought, okay, well, how much of this is the back? And how much of this is the mental health concerns that appeared to pop up? Because Pablo, you and I both know plenty of people around the NBA. And there were certainly some people, when you would ask about the mental health stuff, they would say, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And that's tough to acknowledge because everybody, that's a personal battle. Of course. For so many people across the, the country, across the world. I mean... Nobody knows exactly what another human being is feeling in their head. And it's an issue. It's a medical concern that is premised on the listener trusting the person describing it because it's entirely private. And so you're right. Across the league, bullshit was a predominant theory. And you'd hear that and you think, all right, well, at least for me, I, I felt like I'm going to make up my own mind when I get a chance to talk to him. And for me... In the last week, I finally, on a one-to-one -one basis, had a chance to talk to him. And I, I got the sense, and that's all it could be at this point in time, that this was a guy who saw the other side of things for the last year and a half and, and realized that he had this void that he, he needed to fill with the game. The first game I came back and played in the Sixers, the feeling of being on the court was so surreal. It just felt like... That's what I was missing mm -hmm. in the sense of my life, uh, being on that floor. And I missed it so much to where it was just like, I was like, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. You know, this is where I feel comfortable on the court. And whether or not that was just a few good quotes and, and uh, it, it's not something that he genuinely feels, time's going to tell us that because time is going to tell us whether or not he can still improve at 26 years old, whether or not he can fit into the culture of a new team playing with a bunch of guys that he doesn't know. The part to me, though, that explained where he might have been uh, at, at the end in Philly was he started talking, Pablo, about how much he enjoyed being on a team with Kevin and Kyrie. That he knew, and, and hierarchies are very important, as we know on NBA teams especially. This is an alpha business. These are big-time egos going into locker rooms every night. Ben Simmons knows on this Nets team, he is third in the pecking order. And guess what? He is just fine with it. Which is admittedly a, a wild thing to say about a guy who was a number one overall pick. But also at the same time, he is clearly a guy who has been privately reading and listening to so much of what everyone has been saying about him for the past couple years now. And just bottling it all up. Oh, yeah. and, and this is... Big things like passing up a dunk because he was afraid to go to the foul line in an elimination game. Spins on Gallinari, gives it up. Oh, he was right there. And a foul as Thibel goes to the basket. Boy, Simmons, uncontested, had a layup, but he leaves it for Thibel. But that's when you know that the game is in your head. That's a dunk for Ben Simmons right there. To even just the small stuff like going viral the other day for airballing a single shot at an outdoor practice in Brooklyn. As far as the airball video goes, let's start on that one because I was there. I saw all the stuff. Please. Can we just say for the record that Ben Simmons, of all people, one knockout 
<laughs> yes. Nanette played as a group. This is important. This is important for the record. Explain what knockout is. We've all played it growing up as kids, but this is the thing that he was humiliated for virally, and it turned out he actually freaking won. Knockout is a shooting competition that usually friends play on the basketball court. The Nets had this practice for uh, a few thousand fans in Brooklyn, and Simmons won. Like, Simmons was hitting <laughs> shots from the outside. I was like, who the hell is this guy? Because I'm, I'm watching him warm up before games, and he doesn't want to take those shots. And he's hitting those shots. He misses the one shot. It goes viral, and all kinds of hell from social media comes his way. The, the, the fascinating part about this, Pablo, is the day I talked to him, he told me that 20, 30 minutes before when they walked in the arena, Kyrie Irving was asking about that. And Kyrie says to him, why are these people on us all the time? Me and Kyrie literally was just talking to uh, talking about it before the before practice. He's like, why is everybody on <laughs> our heads? <laughs> but it comes with it. Like, we're, we're interesting people, I guess. Like, some guys you wouldn't talk about, you just don't care. So Kyrie again, <laughs> and that's what makes the dynamic so intriguing. Kyrie for Ben Simmons has become almost like this social media guru because oh, Kyrie no. has been through so much <laughs> crazy stuff. Right, I get he's it. sitting there telling Ben Simmons, this is not reality. You don't need to worry about this stuff. So for me, telling him, like, you know, not, not only just step all of this, but... You, you got to be able to deal with it. You got to be able to face it. This is an emotional uh, time in our world that people attack other people mm -hmm. for what they believe in, their jobs, whatever it is. So harsh criticism is part of it, but what's justified is, is how you respond and how you deal with it. Now, of course, that's much easier said than done when you have to sit on your phone all day and see people on Twitter and Instagram telling you how terrible you are at basketball. But if you have two guys and nobody has gone through the Twitter sphere more than KD has, if you have two guys that are sitting there telling you, hey, it's not worth it, those are two really strong voices to have Man. in your corner as you're trying to come out the other side. Especially when those voices, I mean, look, these are all, everybody here, right, is in some significant way an unreliable narrator when it comes to the truth. But their truth is is so funny to imagine here in this sort of like social media consultancy sense, because Kevin Durant, his method of approaching the internet is to individually duel any number of randos, right? He is so out there. Kyrie Irving's approach is to truly, literally build his own reality, divorced from our reality. And Ben Simmons has said nothing to anybody until talking to you and JJ Redick, basically. And so Ben figuring out like how it is that he can achieve some level of happiness, you know, without hopefully burner accounts involved as a, as a footnote to this dynamic, it's so, it, it's, it seems key to just surviving on this team where, yes, the jokes are so easy. Uh, Pablo, they, they, they write themselves, frankly, uh, within this group. But, but to what you are saying, this part is critical for the Nets. Kevin Durant is one of the greatest of all time. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Kyrie, for all his flaws at times, he's going to the Hall of Fame. This team this year is only going as far 
as Ben Simmons helps them get to. I agree, if man. If he doesn't play at the level that we saw at times in Philadelphia, it does not matter what the other two do. It does not matter what the, the periphery guys do. It doesn't matter if Steve Nash runs the greatest offense known to man. If Ben Simmons isn't close to the Ben Simmons who was playing on the Sixers, the Nets can't accomplish what they want to this year. So to me, it's about how do you get Ben Simmons to be the version of himself that existed before the version of himself that looked terrified at the end of games. And, and Pablo, the version of himself that got distorted by, it seemed like, other people's opinion that had nothing to do with anything going on the basketball floor. Yes, that's where the jokes and the hearing and the reading, everything seemed to seep in. Something did, for all of the, all of the laughing off we could do of like, ah, oh, this is the internet and it's not real, the effect in some way was tangible. I think that is a fantastic point. And again, as has been the theme in the conversation about the Nets, Kevin Durant went through exactly the same type of stuff, Pablo. He listened to everybody tell him how awful he was. He left OKC. You're the worst person ever. He had to deal with it and make it through the other side. Kyrie has listened to stuff on social media, said stuff on social media, reposted stuff on social media, but he has made it through to a different place. And, and as you said, he's living in his own reality as far as basketball and social media is concerned. With Simmons, he has to find a way to make it through to that other side. And he's not there yet. And the point about confidence as it pertains to playing in the NBA is one of the most intriguing questions of the entire league this season. And the, the examples that I could give you to this point are I've been keeping an eye on when he warms up before games. Those first couple games, preseason games that he played, Pablo, I did not see him make three free throws in a row. Mm. After he would warm up, you have assistant coaches who are out there and, and it was, all right, hit these three free throws and we're going in and we're getting ready for the game. He could not or, or did not do it when I saw. You'd watch him in the facility when we, when we walk in for practice. You'd see him just clanking a bunch of jumpers, go to the free throw line, not making three in a row. Something clicked for him, though, prior to that Milwaukee preseason game because he looked like a completely different player. Defensively, he was more active. Before the game, what, did he hit three free throws in a row? No, he hit six. And I about passed out because I'm like, <laughs> is anybody else watching this? Like, are we seeing what's it's going happening. on? It's happening. It's happening. Steve Nash, after the game, flat out said, and Steve Nash, as it pertains to the superstars with Durant and Simmons and Kyrie, he'll talk about almost anybody. He does not want to talk about those guys except <laughs> to say they're the best, they're the greatest. Yeah, I'm shocked, Nick. I'm shocked yeah. that Steve Nash has maybe become a little gun shy after his experience last season and almost getting fired. <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, really? Can you believe that? But, but he said... Ben Simmons was a hell of a lot more aggressive tonight. I'm going to come right out and say it. I think that he wanted to show us what he can do and how much better he can be. And as Simmons has reminded everybody, he's played four preseason games now in a year and a half almost. Yeah, it's crazy. He's going to need time. But he has to be the one that wants it the most. And that's the question that he's going to have to answer. 
So coming up, Nick, I also have a couple of important questions about what happens next year that you have to answer. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. And so as we sit here again in October, and I appreciate the legal disclaimers you've put on every one of these observations, Nick. We're in the preseason still. They're about to tip off, right? They're about to play the Pelicans, a really good team on Wednesday, at which point everything is going to start being tested for real. We're going to stress test this in a couple of different senses. What the hell do you think this season's going to be like? What concerns me the most about this team, strictly from a basketball standpoint, is uh, twofold. One, any great team, Pablo, through the course of time, they have camaraderie. Guys may not love each other off the floor, but on it, everybody is together and they know that no matter what happens, they have each other's back. That is what they absolutely did not have last year. No, It was Tevin and Kyrie kind of doing what they need to do, especially offensively. And everybody else was just kind of hanging out going, what is going on here? <laughs> the vibes were very bad last season at a level very. I've never experienced covering a team. The camaraderie has to be in place. But secondly, and this part is, is just as important, you've got to be able to play defense. And the scariest part for Brooklyn is that you can score a zillion points. And with this offense, if Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons are healthy, and Joe Harris and Seth Curry come back, and they're shooting from the outside, they're going to, I mean, it's going to be like Doug Moe and the, the Nuggets running oh, yeah. up and down the floor yep. sometimes. ABA-style offenses, man. Like, get the red, white, and blue ball out, and let's start just, <laughs> you know, setting off some fireworks to really get the party started. But if you can't defend, you're not going to win a title. It will not happen. So as great offensively as they are, when you look at the way the, the lineup is structured, Kyrie can play defense, but he's never shown that he can do it night after night after night. Kevin is an underrated defender to me, but again, 
night after night do you trust that he's going to play at that same level? So you have Simmons and Claxton who can be what you need, you think. Royce O'Neal is a solid perimeter defender. Joe Harris and Seth Curry, they have never been known as great defenders. They've got to shoot the lights out to play their role on that kind of team. I just don't believe that defensively they have the weapons unless, and this is key, they make another move down the line if they do start off well to bolster what they have in place now. Yeah. So are you going to get into that car with Kyrie at some point or what's, what, where does your journalistic nose take you next? I, I wanted to in the moment, but you and I know where we work. And if I had just disappeared into Kyrie's car and I hadn't turned in the newser on the night and take <laughs> my 30 second video report for sports air the next morning, I would have been completely crushed. So I'm hoping that one of these nights when they're like playing the Pacers or something in late October, that maybe the offer appears again there. And we'll just ride through Brooklyn and see what happens. Nick, the only request we have for you here at ESPN Daily is that if you open that car door and you get inside, just make sure to put us on speakerphone. I will be there for you, buddy. And I, I am looking forward to reporting back. I mean, I'm 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 expecting like the buddy cop movie, a buddy cop movie. There's got to be room somewhere on ESPN Plus for Kyrie and Nick roll through cities all across the country uh, on a quest for who knows what. Nick Friedle, thank you as always for, yeah, uh, not yet being too old for this sh- it's, it's coming though, buddy. <laughs> it's coming. I was walking out of there in Milwaukee and I'm going, oh my God, what am I getting myself into this year? But I always enjoy being with you and it's going to be fun as hell no matter what happens. I'm Pablo Torre, and this has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.